What's going on, guys? My name is Rango Lee, and welcome to the Bless Boulder Show. My special guest, she's riding shotgun all season long, Mylin Pham. She's going to be helping us out with the show. You guys know her. And today we got a really special guest in the house. She's been on New York Times bestseller. She's been on the Oprah Winfrey Show. She's definitely one of my heroes of all time, like up there doing big things, doing really positive great things for the world. And uh, she has an amazing story, amazing experience that I, I know everybody needs to hear. So without further ado, welcome Betty J. Edie. <laughs> Thank you for adding the J. Uh, often people will say Betty Edie and I, I, I feel forced to correct them because of a wonderful experience that happened to me, a, um, a mother wrote me that she would read my book to her children. She had twin, twin girls. Mm -hmm. And so she'd say, oh, they'd say, would you read the book from Betty J. Edie? And so she'd get the book and read it to them. Then one night they said, mom, we know what Betty's middle name is. <laughs> and she says, yes, it's J. She, they said, no, it's Betty Jesus Edie. Oh. And I thought that was awesome. So I oh, stick so with Betty J. Edie. What does the J stand for? It's the, the middle Jean. Name? It's very Jean. Jean. Now it's Jesus. Now Jesus. It's Jesus. <laughs> I like Jesus. I like Jesus. Yeah. That, that's, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, we're going to be talking about, um, I mean, the the, your, the story, the, the moment. And it was about your... Uh, the most detailed near-death experience ever recorded, I feel. And um, and just imagine if one of us went to the other side and, and I'm getting tingles as I'm talking about it and got the experience of how heaven was and came back and told a story about it. I mean, that's that might be one of the greatest stories ever told, you know? It was certainly my greatest experience ever. And uh, it's one that I live with every day of my life and have for since 1973. So wow. it, um, it's, it's, a it's a lifetime habit, I think. But I feel that, and I know that, but I feel in my heart the truth of it. And that is that having had the experience, I was sent back to share it. And the reason for that is that I am to help bring God's children back to him to help them overcome fear and disappointments of being on earth so they can learn that each one of us came here with a planned mission which most people say well my life is dull and boring what could have been planned about that well we can't get, judge that because you meet people on a daily basis maybe you're a conduit for God by being there for them, maybe saying something, maybe just your smile. I mean, it could be very, very, very simple and it doesn't matter. We are here to serve in some way or we wouldn't have come. There's not a single human being on this planet who wasn't a glorious being when in heaven. And I can promise you that because God said, the greatest chose to come here. And do you know that even angels chose not to come. That is very challenging, isn't it? But each one of us chose to come. We even chose our handicaps because some of us were so spiritually developed and we wanted 
and needed a handicap to give us that uh, edge. It's like if you go out to the gym to exercise, you're, you're, you, if, when you're using each um, piece of machinery, it's exercising another set of muscle. Well, that's what our problems are all about. And that is exercising all of the spiritual muscle that we have. And sometimes we don't quite make it. Maybe we'll get off the machine and go, oh my gosh, hobble away. In the meantime, what is it doing to the muscle? That we don't see, so we don't really know until after we start seeing the buildup. I love that point that you made about, um, um, you know, we chose some of the big experiences in our lives and some of us chose uh, handicaps because, um, you know, I, I haven't really talked about it in public, but, you know, I have polio. I was uh, born with it when I was one years old, leaving Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, and I got the vaccine, but I still got it on my right leg. So, and, you know, I mean, I'm 42 right now. And like, it's probably been my greatest teacher in life, you know, even though it's hard as F to get through this yeah. life with any handicap or get through life without a handicap already is already hard. But imagine like, having something that you're dealing with, you know, day in and day out. And, but um, from your book, I remember you, you told me about uh, that we chose some of this and then it does make, like, it puts a silver lining in the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this and, you know, I'm a soldier and I wake up every day to, you know, continue to put one foot in the front of the other. And, and I have empathy towards other people that, that are dealing with stuff or, or, you know, just cancer or, or any, any kind of, physical handicap or mental handicap. Um, so it, it kind of makes it, you know, we're, we all got specialized, but you know, it, it, it gives it a reason why you carry all this, this, this extra, extra weight, you know, there's a reason behind it, you know? There is a reason and, and, we, and, and it's not a good reason to speculate about because we could be way off track. But my guess is for you that you were chosen for a specific purpose, purpose to serve God. Had you not had polio, you might have gone into a different way. And I see this over and over and over again. And I'm also a counselor and for years I counseled people and they would come in and they would have this or they'd have that. And uh, in the conclusion, uh, then after counseling them, I could see that that handicap was growing them in the way in which God wanted them to grow rather than in the way they might have gone. So I know that personally that 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 is true, but I know it even deeper in my heart because during my experience, I learned that it is true. And we, God didn't say you're, you know, you're, you're so valiant that you need to have this handicap. You're going to have polio. He wouldn't do that. He would say, you know what? Your spirit needs a handicap. What would you like? Do you need to have it from your childhood or can you get it later on? Well, Some would have... say, if I step off the beaten path, which is of course to serve you, then maybe I, and I know a friend that did this. He says, maybe if, I, if I'm not doing what I need to do, I need to have something with my hand. Maybe my hand could be cut off. Mm. And it happened. <laughs> so later in life, it actually happened. He had made that commitment to God and he remembered it. 
it was given to him to remember. So he lost his hand? He lost some fingers. He didn't lose his oh. entire hand. <laughs> so God was merciful to him. <laughs> yeah, you could get by with a couple, a couple missing fingers, but it'd be tough to miss. Yeah, miss probably said, man, you don't know what you're asking for. <laughs> well, you know, at, at, at the end, you know, at the day, you know, when we were dealing with, you know, things that are bigger than us, like a handicap, you have to have faith that there's something bigger than you too that's yes. going to help you get through this. It also gives you empathy towards other people that are having a hard time for that you can really relate to them and you know you give them unconditional love and patience because they're dealing with some big stuff you know right there isn't a time when i go to the grocery store or somewhere where i see if, if someone's limping i take a moment to pray for them and i'm sure you do too because you do empathize now i or uh, yeah you have empathy whereas mine is more sympathy because i don't mm. have i oh, have yeah. strong legs and i'm good but I still know that my prayers help. Uh, a lady wrote me that, or a man, it was a man, he wrote me that he was in an intersection, he was uh, a terrible car wreck in an inner intersection. And it was uh, sort of like a pilot, but he's the one that died. He said his body immediately rose up out, of, out through his car and he's looking down at this mess below him and he knew he was gone. Mm -hmm. But while he's up here, he hears this woman's voice and he looks around and off to the side was a car. And in that car sat a woman and she had her head down and she had her hands up like this. And she was praying for him. Mm. And she said, dear Lord, spare the life of this man, spare the life of this man, if at all possible. I have faith in you and I have faith in the power of the prayer. And if you'll spare his life and he's up here and he's listening to that and observing her, his body goes right back into the body, mm. his spirit mm. went right back into the body. So in recovery in the hospital, he wanted to know who that woman was. He had a bond to her. And so over time, I guess they gave him the name and he was able to visit with her. And he thanked her for the prayer because he had children at home, little ones. Wow. Now, why did God spare him for him? I doubt it. I think he spared him because of her prayer. And now she's empowered. I mean, it, you see the ripple effect? God would see that he had these babies at home that he needed to take care of his wife, his children. And, uh, but he's already damaged. He had to go through a hospital and, and, and he, he came out great. Mm. But I think more than that, because he came up and he heard her. Now he wouldn't necessarily hear her with her, his human ears, mm. but he received it through the gift of God, which I think was really to benefit her. So before we go too, too deep into the experience, Tell, tell us a little bit about your uh, background, your upbringing, how your childhood was like. So we kind of kind of set the stage of who Betty was before the big experience. Well, I was born into a family of um, 10 children. Um, my mother was married and had four. Then she married my father and they had six. Uh, I was uh, the seventh living child uh, in the group. So I was just kind of shelved in there. Um, my mother, my 
father is Scotch-Irish and uh, my mother, Native American. She is Lakota Sioux and lived on a reservation there in South Dakota. I was born in 1942. So uh, by the time I was four years old, uh, the, the government was taking the Indian children away from the parents and placing them in boarding schools. I was four years old when I was taken into the first boarding school away from my so mother. Were, sorry to cut you off, but you, so the, the American government forced Native American children to go to the boarding school without anyone's permission or anything? Uh, anything? Without parents and uh, or parent contact. And uh, the purpose was uh, to, uh, and it was Catholic boarding school that I went into and what they were, they're trying to assimilate uh, the native people into the white culture. And wow. for, one, for first they had to do away with your religion. Well, first your families. <laughs> and uh, the native children, I was only four. I, I may have spoken some of the native language, but I don't remember too much. But in um, the other children, they were not allowed to speak their native tongue. Mm -hmm. um, the native people leave their hair to grow long because it's a spiritual advantage to, uh, they believe. Uh, the hair is very important, sort of like the story in the Bible about Samson, hmm. where um, the hair, and, and not only that, but I think there's a scientific discovery that the hair uh, is, it, it almost speaks for itself. I mean, it holds on to spiritual um, things. You're more inclined to, to be spiritually sensitive when you have long hair. They had knowledge of that belief in the Native American culture. So they cut your hair off. And mm. the first thing they did, and my hair was long at the age of four. The first thing they did was take scissors and chop it off up above my ears. Oh, this wow. whack. It wasn't styled, it was just cut off. And they de-liced all the, all the children that they had lice or not. They just sprayed you with this stuff. My maiden name was Stuart because of my father. Uh, so when we got in line, I got in line with all the native children. They started hollering out names. They had a clipboard there and and checking out all their students. And they were had names like running bear, jumping out, all the native names. <laughs> she got to my name and she goes, Betty Stewart. And then she stood there and paused. And I just remember staring up at her, scared. And she said, the worst of the lot. She says, you're Indian and Irish. Hmm. You are a heathen and a sinner. Hmm. Now I'm four years old. I didn't know what a sinner was. I didn't know what a heathen was, but I knew it had to be bad by the look on her face. Hmm. And, uh, and of course the kids laughed. Uh, they thought it was funny that I had a name like Stuart. Jumping from that into as I started growing up and, and I continued in these boarding schools until I was in the seventh grade. Um, I had an attitude. I was, you know, and, and uh, then in, in the cities, there were signs that said no Indians or dogs allowed. So we forget that, you know, African-Americans deal with you know, the racism over the years right. that they're dealing with. And then the, now Asians are dealing with discriminating and racism. And, right. And then, but we forget about the Native Americans. You guys have been dealing with yeah. like, 
These are the first Americans for crying out loud. Yeah. And, and they're still treated like this. Yeah. And um, the native women, as many women are, are beautiful, so don't take this wrong, please. These Native American women are beautiful, not only in their appearance, but also in by their nature because of the culture that they if they've maintained it they are being uh, stolen and trafficked right and left and nobody is doing anything about it native american population is probably the most impoverished population in america that is so true and it uh it, it really saddens me um that this is happening because something exciting is going to happen with the native people going back to the boarding school. So I, I, you know, learning uh, that, uh, you know, what a terrible God there was. I just didn't have any respect or didn't want to have anything to do with them. Uh, I, but in my heart, I knew that something was wrong. They couldn't be telling me about the God that I felt truly exist. Uh, it just didn't make any sense. Um, then I went on from the Catholic boarding school to Protestant boarding school, which was a little bit better. Um, but still, to me, everything was off. And uh, I used to, I, I was, I kind of isolated myself because um, I wasn't fitting in with any particular group, like the Native girls. And most of them had been, um, you know, they're broken people. They're hurt. They're missing their families. Um, they they don't understand the the you know the white man world. They just they they were fighting and struggling against it. Uh, for myself, I was just so introspective, so involved in the um, the mindset of all the people that I dealt with that I became more of what you might call to, in today's world a loner. I did, I had a few friends, but not a lot of friends. And I really preferred to be alone. And uh, in this one boarding school, I would take off and go walking up in the mountains and, and uh, or go down by the river. Uh, the place I used to swim is still there in South Dakota. And whenever I go back to South Dakota, I go there, it's called Cascade Falls. And uh, it, it wasn't used by a lot, uh, many people at all. And I would walk out there and I would swim or bathe in that water. And when I did that, I would pray and ask if there's a God, is what we're doing right? Uh, and I, I mean, I can't believe that. I don't want to, in this school, the songs that we sang said, when we die and go to heaven, we're gonna sing praises to God. I couldn't understand a God that would want us to spend eternities with him singing praises. That's pretty egotistical to me. So I, anyway, my mind was just all messed up. I mean, you have questions, yeah. you know, curiosities. I mean, those things, yeah. you know, these, those things you want, you want to know. I mean, I'm curious about those things all the time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Those are valid questions. Very valid questions. And um, so I was, I was very quizzical, although at one time I was on top of this mountain, uh, uh, there was a lot of people hurting and I felt a lot of empathy and sympathy uh, for. And um, 
So I built an altar uh, because I had heard uh, in, in one of the church sermons about uh, people building altars onto God. And so I built this old altar out of stone and I knelt by it, looking down the valley. There, I, I, now I have this, whenever I see a picture of Christ, I just feel this warm feeling in my heart. So I knelt there and I prayed for all the people below. I could look down on the school and everything and I just prayed for them. But it was a sincere prayer from a seven-year-old child. Mm. And I think back on that and I think seven years old, wow. why did I think to go up in the mountains and pray mm. for these people? I don't know. By the time I was 31, I, um, and I had joined many faiths by then, becoming members of different churches because each one would say that they were the only true church of God. Mm. And I wanted to belong to the only true church of God uh, because I didn't really have faith in God. And I thought when I die, if I belong to the true church of God, then I, it's a shoe in, at least maybe it's a door that could open up and let me in. Mm -hmm. So I joined these, all these churches. Yeah. And, um, at the age of 31, when I went into the hospital to have that partial hysterectomy is what it was, I was scared to death just scared to death. I, I just felt that something wasn't going to work. Something would go wrong with me. And I remember telling my husband, um, if I die, who's going to take care of my kids? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, don't talk about death. I says, well, I've never been in a hospital before except to have my babies. Oh. He said, you're going to be fine. I says, and what about you? Who's going to take care of you? Oh, you're, <laughs> you know, I'm worried about taking care of these guys. Yeah. People are going to be fine, but I didn't feel fine. I felt something was going to happen. I didn't know what, but I felt something was going to happen. There's that intuition that you were talking about, right? There's intuition, you know, yeah. and I, and to be honest with you, I'm seldom wrong, which puts you on the spot when that happens, especially with your kids and especially with your husband. They mm -hmm. like right. <laughs> but so in the hospital, I had the surgery, but I began to bleed. And as I laid there in my bed after surgery, um, they had a, a nurse shortage. And so, uh, and I knew that before I even went into surgery because I heard the nurses talking about it. And the nurses would seldom come in and check on me and, and I was fine so, and, and healthy at the time. But after I came out of recovery and was placed in my room, I don't think I saw more than one nurse that came in uh, to check on me. But then I had come out of recovery, so I felt all right until I woke up and I began to, to sense that I was not all right. I um, tried to ring for the nurse, but I couldn't even move my arms. My hands were wow. so um, heavy. And I could feel my, from my feet coming up, I could feel my body dying. And uh, then before I knew it, I just, I, I, uh, there was a sound. It was like a pop, like you would if you popped a champagne bottle or whatever. And you hear that, you know, I can't even make the sound. <laughs> it was a nice sound. 
Every time I hear a bottle pop, I go, wow, that's cool. Uh, um, and my spirit just came up out of my body and just rose up up to the ceiling of, uh, in the hospital. And it, I turned around um, and looked down and that's when I saw my, my body laying there on the bed. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that. For you to kind of describe it, I mean, how does that feel? I mean, what were your thoughts? And I mean, so I came out of my body and I saw that I was dead and um, I worried about my husband and my children and I wanted to go home to them. The interesting thing to me afterwards is that if you're laying in a hospital and you suddenly recover from whatever, from amnesia or whatever, and you think about going home, you get up and go out the door, right? I'm in spirit. And I realized that as after you die, you start coming out of what we would consider here as amnesia. You mm -hmm. suddenly start awakening to the freedom of your spirit being. So mm -hmm. I looked around, I came out of my body, I'm going, oh my gosh, my kids, my husband, mm -hmm. I want to them and uh who's who's going to take care of them i'm back to thinking that way and i thought i want to go home and see them and so i headed oh. to the window you know and i think how dumb is that why didn't you go out the door like a normal human being <laughs> well i'm not human anymore after going out the window uh it was a swift ride i guess because it was just like it would be like being on the wings of an angel. Mm. Wow. Uh, I just went straight from that hospital. I could see things beneath me. It's like the speed was so bright that it was late at night. And so the lights were on, the street lights were on, and I could see them buzzing underneath me as I, or I'm buzzing by them. Mm. And I went home. And I went into the house through the window. Mm course <laughs> freedom you know and there was my husband sitting in an armchair and he was oh. reading the newspaper and the kids it's it's like 9 30 almost 10 quarter to 10 and they are running in the evening and they are going up and down the stairs and they are playing with their pillows which were fed their pillows <laughs> and that thing they were not supposed to do and my husband was supposed to put them in bed at 8.30, there they are, running up and down. And I went over and I stood by my husband and I looked at him and I was annoyed. <laughs> no. I was spirit Eddie was, spirit Betty was annoyed at her husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was annoyed that he didn't keep his promise. Yeah. And um, then I thought, I'm leaving my children and then I was told, but they're not your children. They're a gift from God. They belong to him. You're just a caretaker. You felt a pop. You felt your spirit leaving your body. You thought about your children, your husband, you missed them. And you just floated, flew home. And then you're in the house. They're, they're running around. But then now you know someone, you're worried about your children that if you pass, who's going to take care of them? And then what happened after that? Take her from there. So then I went back to the, the, the hospital where my body was. Okay. 
and uh, there appeared three men in spirit. They have monk-like attire on them. Um, I didn't know it was monk-like until later after I came back and I did a study. I looked for a monk-like attire and, and I, I found them. And uh, but anyway, they were there and they uh, welcomed me, but they said, it's not yet your time. So where I went was, would have been something if I'd been in, in flesh would have been a horrible thing hmm. because I traveled through this energy that took me into a, the blackest place I have ever been. You couldn't put your hand in front of you and see it. It was that black. Hmm. But what was wonderful about it is that it was like liquid love that hmm. your lungs could breathe in and out and be affected by so that's why i call it liquid because it was it wasn't like air that you breathe in it was thicker than that but not didn't affect your lungs i mean you just breathed it in and and it went through every part of your spirit body you just felt love if i had never gone anywhere else but there i would have been absolutely Happy. I could <laughs> there forever. Wow. But as I was in this space, a bright light came in, uh, came down like a like a uh, uh, one of these super flashlights that they have nowadays. <laughs> like a spotlight or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just searched around until it spotted me. And then it became like a tunnel. And it just drew me into it. And as I got to the end, as I was approaching the end of that bright light and that tunnel, I could see that there was a, 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 a person. And as I neared it, and as his hands came out like this, it spread out. It became from that sheer white, brilliant white, this became golden, golden wow. light encased him. And as he moved his arms out and I drew nearer, I knew who he was or who he is. And so I don't know how to express it except to say I ran to him. The speed was real, very fast. And I just ran to him and I just grabbed him. And I says, I'm home. I'm home and I never want to leave you again. I knew who he was. I know that I have always known him. And I knew that he was Jesus that had come, been here on earth. And I said, and I, I, I will never, ever leave you again. And I start feeling emotional, so forgive me, but. Beautiful. And it's not. My emotion is because I so yearn to be with him again. Oh, wow. Absence, like having, in a way, it's like having lost a loved one that you treasured and you feel that sense of loss. Wow. And um, he embraced me. And this is why I title my book, Embraced by the Light. Mm-hmm. And he just held me while I'm, 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 I'm just, all upset 
about having had the separation. And he allowed me that time. And then I felt his chest like if someone's chuckling. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that vibration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he drew me back and he says, it's not yet your time. Wow. And I didn't understand what he meant by that. But he says, not yet your time. And I says, I said, no, it's my time. And I'm never, ever going to leave you again. And I said, uh, I, and I'm not going back to earth. I said, I I will not. I'm never going to leave you again. And I said, why? Why was I born Irish and Indian and had to go through all that painful stuff? And he said, well, look who it's created. He says, all of the, that you've learned created you to be the perfect person that you are. Mm-hmm. You needed all that experience to bring you to where you are today. You needed that. Did he look like those pictures we always see of Jesus? Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the only- beard with the long hair kind of? Uh, yeah, he was similar to that. But it was real, it's really hard to say because of his brilliance. I mean, it was, it would be like putting a, a fluorescent light tube inside of me and turning it up to its brightest light. So was it like just a light? Just knowing him that he no, was just- He had features, he had all of that, but he was it, it, just so glorious mm-hmm. and um, radiated, and, you know, ray, just um, the shroud, the shrouded uh, Tehran, that's what it is. Yeah, there's a the shroud that they found. Yeah. yeah, and they have the image of Christ. Yeah, uh huh. And they did a, um, a uh, they did a three D view of the body that was it was covered over. That yeah. was like Jesus to me. Oh, okay. I need to look that up. We need to look that up. Look up, <laughs> look up the shroud. You'll remember that, shroud. right? Shroud. I remember. I said. Yeah, I think I've seen it before on, on yeah. National Geographic. How do you spell shroud? Oh, I don't know. You got me yeah. there. <laughs> oh, I, can spell shroud. I can look it up right now. Google it. All you have to do is, say, yeah, Google. Say, okay. uh, Duran. Uh, like to me. And then what happened? I looked and I said, "Where are the nail prints in your in your hands?" And he looked at me very lovingly and he said, you don't need to see my pain to know who I am. And I think about that a lot. And I thought, how did he know that? How did he know that I, I can't even go to a movie and see them nail him on a cross like that passion of Christ. I I couldn't go see that. Yeah. I don't want to see the nail prints in his hands. I don't want him to be that way. But he said, I didn't need to see that, to know who he is. I felt really blessed by that. And, um, but then I started asking him a question. The, again, Sherlock came out. Yeah. And I said, well, what about this? What about that? What about the other? And he said, he called these two angels or like guides he said show her 
take her and show her whatever she wants. Let wow. her know all that she asks. So now you're with two kind of spirit guide angel, are they female or male or? You know, I'm not sure. I, I, think they female. I think they were female. Okay. Um, it's kind of hard uh, in a way because, you know, there's male and female, but the uh, spirit is so loving. Mm. Uh, the spirit is so different compared to the mortal being and, and the attitudes. And so you tend to think that being loving is more feminine. Mm. Uh, and so, mm. but I think they were female. And they took you to like a, uh, like a, a glass building that or something, right? Like a glass city or something. That's where you was able to see the looms and people working inside these buildings. They were inside the building and uh, there were, they took me to the library of knowledge. Wow. There's a library of knowledge. Yes. My favorite wow. place to go. And now this is back in 1973. Uh, we didn't have computers. Yeah. Believe it no. or not. No, no. <laughs> I saw this liquid screen that you could touch. Kind of like this, like swipe? Well, you, you could touch, not even that. You just, I just laid my fingertip on it. It was like it was oh. liquid. I didn't have to dial it in. I didn't have to type it in. I just had to think what I wanted to know. And it would move. And it would take me not only to that place, sort of like going to Google and going, yeah. um, say you want to learn something about the pyramids. Yeah. And so you would type in period. In this case, I would look at it, touch it to acknowledge, you know, so that it, I, I guess it's my energy and it locks into my energy. That's so crazy. And it takes me, yeah, would take me to the pyramids. Mm. Now, that is so insane. I, it is insane. Now, not only would I know the pyramids from their creation, you know, like you would think, how did a pyramid yeah. become a pyramid? You would all of a sudden have all that pure knowledge of everything about the pyramid. Everything. Wow. Who does it just absorb? Once you it, touch it, does it, it just it absorb into you? Yeah, it's just like it's in your mind. Wow. It's just like mm -hmm. that. Just the knowledge. The knowledge, instant knowledge. Wow. It's so we don't have to read, you know? We don't need to read. It takes a long time to read. You just Now it's, it gets even better than that. If you want to experience it, you're there. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. You're there. And you experience everything that is there as though you're, you're in real time. Wow. Well, now they're doing those virtual videos or virtual reality mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. yeah yeah that technology is there now that that would it's been um what 40 some years since i had my experience and so i what i think about is we're growing here heaven is expanding as well mm. and i was told that they were going to send this technology to earth mm. So I look for it. And I, I know since I got back, I thought, okay, when's this going to happen? Well, then by the time I was writing my book, guess what? Computers were coming in. Oh, yeah. Then the liquid screen started coming in. Then the virtual reality uh, 
and uh, all this other stuff, uh, all of that, they, that they said they were going to send that technology to Earth is already here. Mm. It's crazy because I'm hearing other people talk about um, what you just, the term that you just use, um, real time. Right. And they're talking a lot about real time. What you just talked about, like doing this technology with real time and right. just with the swipe or with the whatever, maybe it takes you to that time and to that era. Right. So I, I was just hearing about it from other people. I hadn't heard that, but I know it's coming. And so mm -hmm. to me, every day, I mean, I try to stay with the news. I try to, uh, you know, keep track of what's happening. Be, and I get excited about all of it because it's all, it's all happening just as they yeah. told me that it would. And um, so I, you know, I just, and I was taken to other worlds. I think this is kind of important to share. And they were expecting my visit. That you had a, like a welcoming party ready to accept you? <laughs> she had different parties that wanted to accept her. Yes, I had. They were waiting and uh, they they wanted uh, me to tell them how the earth was. The, so the different worlds, I mean, are they all in different levels or are they all, you know, when you talk about different worlds, you're talking about like earth, Mars, Saturn, I mean, worlds like this dimension you're talking about. Do they all know about each other? Or, um, I mean, I don't know do you get to pick and choose? They know about us. Uh-huh. And uh, when we leave this world, you know, we all, people talk about reincarnation. Not right. necessarily on this earth, because this earth teaches what we are learning now. It'd be mm -hmm. like saying, mm -hmm. you're go back to the kindergarten or whatever. Yeah. Or go back to whatever grade that this earth is, which we don't know. But... Um, uh, the, I mean, some people try to speculate, but I can tell you that speculation never works. You got to know. And if you know, you know, I mean, you got to have the pure knowledge of it. <clears throat> but we, when we leave this earth, we can go on to other worlds. But the exciting part of it is, do you lose your loved ones? No, you don't. You, people who are bonded here as family, uh, you will stay together for eternity yeah so like these three men i was telling you about the monks who came to me i have known them for eternities wow and they knew me and we had been together and they said that and uh i, I mean it's it's hard to wrap your mind around this type of uh, non-ending knowledge I mean it doesn't end and we mm -hmm. all evolve and God evolves we in our growth help God evolve it's just sort of like a mother and a father as we were talking about before a mother and a father they evolve as better parents as their children show the results of that tender loving care or education that those parents gave them. We expand, our heart expands in greater love, not only for them, but for other people because our kids bring us lessons that we have to learn as well. I love hearing that because in some of my uh, spiritual uh, beliefs and, and the things I learned is that uh, God is, 
a piece of all of us. Like God is, in, you know, we have the DNA of God. So we all have God inside us. And then we're also little pieces of God. And it or him or, or divinity is it's expanding and it's, it's it keeps on ex, uh, expanding and it's experiencing through us to right. expand more in positive ways. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a trip, but yeah, that's what it is. It takes you on a trip and we're never ending. So here's the thing, the greater we can become on this earth, the greater we're going to be in heaven and anywhere else we go. And, and when you say greater, when you say greater, Betty, greater in spiritualities, greater in the things that we do, because, you know, they always talk about you know, bad things you do, good things you do. Your parents always said, if you do good, you'll go to heaven. You do bad, you're going to go to hell kind of thing. So, I mean, when you say greater things in this life, what do you mean by that? Acquiring and expanding the attributes of God. Again, you could go to the Bible and most of the attributes are written right there. The attributes of God. I wish I had memorized them. I don't have those memorized. Uh, but I do know each one that affects. And uh, where uh, the scripture where it says, I don't have it memorized where to find the scripture is what I mean. But where uh, charity, meaning love, is the greatest attribute of God. And we are to acquire that um, and love as he loves, which is unconditionally. Because yeah. you can love a person. You don't have to put up with their nonsense. Hmm. In other words, you know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of people yeah. say, well, I can't love. <laughs> yeah. So you love sin, but you love the, uh, the, the sinner, but you don't love the sin. Speaking about loved ones, and uh, a, a year ago, uh, I, I my mom continued on to the, her next evolution, and um, it was uh, so I mean it was it, ju it was just like two days after it happened, and my mom was like my hero, you know, and uh, actually you remind me a lot of my mom, so moms are moms. Can I say? And I was. <laughs> I was I was in bed with my wife Tiffany and we're I'm just crying and like I'm trying to make sense of what happened and uh, so I, I asked you know I'm just speaking out loud I'm, I go like why did this happen like why did this have to happen you know and I was trying to uh, and then my wife she just she says um, the reason why is because we're now you're learning what real love is and uh, it just, it was so simple but it was so true at that moment. You know, I, I really understood what real love is and why we're here. And, and right. um, yeah, and, you know, you could say love, but you don't, you never really understand it until you really feel it, you know, and uh, so. Yeah, it really, it really does hurt. But so you're going to be with your mom again. Um, and uh, I, I, there's a man that I have been corresponding with. His wife passed away and he's, um devastated devastated Deb, the, the love that you're talking about that you felt for your mom i'm sure he felt for his his wife as well they grew up together as kids and married mm. he wanted to commit suicide that's mm. how great the loss was and he wanted to get he wanted to go back there be with his wife so he contacted me and he says i i, I just have to do this because 
He says, I grieve so much. I just want to be with her. Here's the caution of people who feel that way. You may not be with your spouse again or with your loved one again um, because there are different levels like we were talking about before. Mm. Is this explained in the Bible actually and they call it Jacob's ladder. Mm. There are rungs in the ladder and we are all at various levels on that rung of growth. You can go down and help someone temporarily, but mm. you don't want to stay there because, you know, you become like you, the people you are with mm. over time. You can be there to coach, encourage, and help, but you can't stay there if they're doing things that are not conducive to your growth. Mm. You've got to leave them there and go back and uh, continue to go higher as much as you can. So if you have a loved one down here, you can come down and you can encourage, 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 show the way, but you've got to make that distance. You cannot, you know, God cannot look upon the least of sin. Well, we're not God, so we can, we can look upon it, but we better get out of there and mm. because it becomes a part of you. So what I'm saying, coming back to your mother and, and you, Depending upon her growth is where you want to go. You want to be, if mother, she sounds like she's a very saintly mother, one that God would approve of. So yeah. you want to live your life to where when you go, that you will at least equal her level. Mm. That you can be, because you're tied to her. Yeah. Uh, spiritually, you're tied to her. So if you don't get to be with her, in the next life, that means you've got to go somewhere and grow those levels again to be with them. Hmm. Does yeah, we got to build more credentials for the other side too. Building <laughs> 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 so much credentials here, you know, got to go to the other side and build more credentials. Well, whatever, whatever credentials that you had there, you're working on again here to perfect them, and so yeah. you can to guess what what uh, level you were there because obviously you're here to perfect what you already knew while you were there hmm. so if she and was so she was at a higher level she can still come back and visit me and be with yeah. me and then but i can't go up to her because i'm not ready yet to go to that deeper <laughs> level maybe <laughs> Well, that is so true. You know, after I lost my husband, I he was visiting everyone in their dreams and everything, but he wasn't visiting me. And mm. uh, then one night I dreamed of him and I says, honey, why are you not coming and visiting me? Mm. And he says, I'm not allowed to. And he just Aww. went on. That was, Aww. And I got Aww. to thinking about it and I thought, wow. Um, all right, I just said to him, learn, learn. grow. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. He'll catch up. He'll listen to you, by the way. <laughs> well, Do more homework. Yeah, he struggled with what I was teaching him. Mm. He struggled with it because, again, he came from a, a, a religion that was so against everything that I, not, not to say I know it all. This is just me glimpsing into heaven 
you might say at the festival of heaven, there is so much more that I didn't experience or wasn't allowed to bring back. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it was that. I know they said that I couldn't bring back everything that I was shown. We're helping others learn what, what the truth is of who Jesus is and God is so they can start expanding, breaking their glass ceilings and going deeper exactly. into things. Right. And, um, don't, yeah, don't be, don't be put in a box. Yeah. yeah. And always uh, be prayerful. Ask God if something is right or wrong. And, and you may feel that it's still wrong. And then all of a sudden he will give you an experience to show you that what is right and what is wrong. And so one way or the other, it will come to you as a lesson to be learned. You know, with people who believe in different like religions, some people find it very offensive, you know, um, to, or um, it, it's made upon you that it's really bad if you change religion or you believe in something else. You know, um, growing up, I felt like, you know, that's how I felt. That's why I've never really been very vocal about what I believe or what I don't believe, right? right. Um, and so for people to open up more, I mean, what do you suggest? Because some people get very offensive and saying, hey, you know, there is a Jesus or, you know, what you believe in may not be, you know, what it is. Because some people do say, hey, you don't believe in Jesus, you're done. Like, that's it, right? And that's what brought me kind of like, why would you say that? Like, you know, everybody, doesn't he teach love? I mean, it can't just be that's it. You don't believe in him and he cuts you out. Right. No, uh, you know, again, uh, Jesus in the Bible, and I always refer to the Bible because a lot of people have read it and everything. And I, I, I will refer to things that I understood when I was in heaven, which is Jesus, he said, referred to himself as a good shepherd. And he said that, uh, I, you know, as a good shepherd, I will not lose one. Mm -hmm. No, not one. Uh, he, he will go and find that sheep. So I thought about that. I got this book. It's called Good Shepherd. I can't remember who wrote it, mm -hmm. but it teaches all about sheep. And so I had to learn what a good shepherd does and, uh, and not, not a spiritual one, but one in reality, how do they treat their sheep? And my gosh, they treat these sheep gentle and loving and kind. And if, if one gets caught up in a bush or whatever and is hurting, they go over and they take it out. Mm. They love it. And they'll throw that sheep on their shoulder, just like that picture mm. of Christ where he has a, uh, a lamb mm. and carries them out. Mm. that's how they care about their sheep so when jesus made reference to i'm a good shepherd and i will not lose one sheep i will leave the 99 there and i will go find the lost one the way you just put that was very reassuring to other people to be more open-minded that hey right he's not gonna leave nobody behind but again you gotta you know, do good things in life. The things that you were supposed to be doing on this earth is to learn and to love, right? It's all um, about growth. It is li literally about growing your spirit to where when you're on the other side, you will have done what our Heavenly Father has wanted you to do.
And that is to like, like kids going away to, to college. You hope that they just don't go there and, and smoke and drink and party. You want them to go there and get an education. Now, not each person in college is going, you know, necessarily choose the same subject. This one's going to go be a doctor, lawyer, whatever, attorney, da, da, da. Everybody goes and does where they feel guided. And that's how we are. That's what we're doing right now. We choose every day our step, our walk on this earth. Now, when we leave here, we the only thing that we are really going to take with us are the attributes that we have zeroed in on and have acquired that are the attributes of God. Mm. That's it. So if mm. you study the attributes, in fact, I did a, a video uh, lesson on the attributes, and I wish I could tell you which one it is. Uh, we mm. haven't labeled them. But uh, because I want everyone to acquire the attributes of God. And you know the one that you're lacking simply because mine is patience. Mm. Um, <laughs> with patience and patience is an attribute of God. Uh, tolerance, I've got that pretty much nailed. I can be very tolerant because I know that we are all at different levels. We don't all have the same knowledge we don't all have the same abilities and we are all struggling one way or the other and so it's easy to be tolerant of other people and understanding and as far as other religions are concerned as long as they are happy in that religion as long as they are growing in that religion um they're doing good now yeah I, yeah, if I feel they're doing the wrong thing, if I feel like they could do better, you know what? Set an example of myself. Yeah. Let them say, and then if they come to me and say, there's something different about you, I would like to find out what that is. Say, well, tell me about what you believe in, about God, and that you, you discover right away that they don't have a close re uh, relationship with him because that isn't how they grow or that's not the path that they're on it should be yeah i remember um me growing up i was uh grow, i was raised really religious uh, i went every sunday and it was a bible-based church and i was one of them guys that were calling my friends to come to church with me on sundays because i didn't want them to go to hell and i was trying to save them yeah. like one of those friends where i was like trying to save people because that's what i believed in my church was teaching me that Jesus believing in Jesus and accepting him is the only way and everybody else uh, it's gonna burn and I and you know gay people were gonna burn and I, I I knew when I started hearing that 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 something was off about it and so I challenged God I remember I, I was probably 25 at the time and I said God there has to be more show me I challenge you to show me more of who you are um, your love uh, unconditional love I want to know more and then, um, so I felt like that I wasn't, I'm not speaking bad about that religion because it, it, I grew while I was there, but I was hitting a plateau. So I stopped going there because I wasn't, I wasn't growing. And I was, I was starting to learning, learn some other spiritual beliefs. And I found this book called uh, The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And uh, you know, he teaches a little bit more about Buddhist um, kind of beliefs. So I'm, I'm listening to the book. I'm in Vietnam. I'm on like a, uh, 
trip in Vietnam. I'm listening to audio and I'm like, I feel like I'm getting enlightened. I'm getting lighter and I'm like, God is revealing himself to me and I'm laying now I'm at my, my family's hut in Vietnam and I'm laying there in bed. I'm looking up at the ceiling and I'm listening to his book on audio and I'm getting ready for dinner. And I went somewhere else. I, I went somewhere else for a little bit and, um, I don't know how long I was gone and I came back maybe, you know, felt like maybe an hour or two hours later and I felt the deepest peace and oneness. I felt, you know, you could was to feel God. I felt him at that moment and I felt him for like three hours that night. Just, we went to dinner and I just felt like if I was to be in heaven or that, 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 that darkness you were talking about after you left your body, that, that love, I was there. And, um, and I felt, I went to the, wherever the other side was, I was there. And uh, ever since then, I've, I've been on this other spiritual path. And I always want to grab that, that love again, that, that peace again, that God shared a little bit with me at that moment. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess God did so far live up to his, his, his challenge of showing me who he is and what, what the truth is. And I feel like we're all kind of on our own religion you know little things that we grab there that worked for us or what what truth we hear over here that works for us and then we we eternalize it and 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 become better people from it you know exactly exactly and 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 that's exactly how god teaches he just brings us to him and lets us feel who he the purity of him and if you can't find it in, 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 in this religion or that religion, then maybe it's someplace you shouldn't be. Mm. And go to where you do find it and discover it and always be in, in motion to finding God and uh, mm. that pure substance of him. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's how I judge things. I mean, you feel it in your heart, the rightness or the wrongness of it. It's like that saying where uh, if you're married, you got to continue winning over your wife, continue courting her and you know, having her fall in love with you always continue that. I guess that's the, the relationship God wants us to have, too, is continually growing with him and learning about him and getting excited about him because he's always, you know, changing. And it can be so, so special. It doesn't have to be just one steady God. God is evolving just as we are evolving. And uh, he um and we should do that within our our marriages as well and that is to uh evolve uh with each other you know and uh, so you don't evolve apart from your spouse and and uh my husband and I tried that a lot when we would have our what we called our date nights out so that we didn't just become mom and dad we needed to keep our separate um, identity uh, so that when the children are grown and gone, we are back to being who we have always been with each other. But you tend, parents tend to lose their identity when they have children and you have to preserve that. You preserve that by being loving to each other and uh, women keeping themselves like they were before, you know, the man falls in love with you. Why? Because you intrigued him. How did you intrigue him? Well, you kept yourself, your appearance nice, or you smell good, you know, whatever it was that uh, first attracted him. 
but women don't always do that. You know, I've had, uh, I'm a counselor too, and I've had women come and say, he just doesn't show me the attention he used to. And I said, what do you do? Yeah, that is a great say, reminder though. Very great reminder to, um, to also grow together. You have and to not grow just as mom and dad. You have no choice. It's grow together or grow apart. Apart, yeah. So, and a man and a woman, when they're married, they become one, one with, with each other and DNA and whatnot. I mean, you're sharing that together and creating these beautiful children. Um, so, but you've got to keep that together, and you're you're not going to do it by growing apart. And sometimes, so uh, sometimes it's a, uh, it, more often than not, to be honest, it's a woman's fault because she mm. will emerge herself with her children and mm. exclude the husband. And mm. well, he is sitting on one side of the couch. She's over here snuggled with a kid that won't go to bed mm. and uh, rubbing its head and just stroking it where the husband's over here going, what the heck, where's my strokes? You know, why is that? <laughs> why, you know, here I am here. I want some of that. So some cute little person in the office comes walking around strokes his eagle a few times and he's off and gone mm. <laughs> that's a whole different topic right there we could do a whole episode about that <laughs> oh i so, just hate that I just, it just frustrates me oh i've got so many stories there if you ever want to talk about that we'll do this another time on that subject <laughs> we'll, just, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up soon and i really Appreciate you taking extra time to spend spend it on with us today, and I know we're well, going over a little. Bit. Yeah, you have so much you can edit and whatever. And awesome. uh, good time oh, but it. I do have one question. One more question. Is that okay? One more okay. question. Because um, you know everyone talks about this, even children, and they ask me this. I have no answer for it. Okay, they always talk okay. about heaven, hell. We we heard about heaven. Is there really a hell? And, and ghosts too. Talk about talk about ghosts. What what are they? They're rolling those. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that too. I need to know about that. <laughs> okay. Well, according to hell, uh, and according to Jesus, he said there is no hell. And um, the hell is is right here on earth. Mm. It's the mm. result of our the consequence of whatever we do. Mm. It it can be hell. And mm. if you don't get out of hell, you are going to what? Burn forever, right? Mm. I mean, look at the words, the metaphors. And I said, well, how on earth am I going to go back? Because, but now I learned that I needed, I, I needed to come back to complete my mission, my promise to God. And I said, how on earth am I going to go back and tell people that there's no hell? Mm. And he yeah. said, if you as a good mother, which he, which he knew I, I was, he says, if you as a good mother wouldn't take one of your children, no matter what they did, and cast them into a fiery pit or into outer darkness forever, he it. says, how much greater is God's love than yours? Mm. You know what? That's mm. a no-brainer, isn't oh. it? I only love that I much know. compared to it's endless love so why i mean i could uh, he couldn't throw anyone over there because he knows you inside and out he knows he sent us here 
He knows that the world was going to be tough. We chose to come in spite of knowing that that was what we had to face. Uh, there are those who are te teachers here on earth. There are those who are students here on this earth and we don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. So, so some, yeah, some teachers are those that do horrible things or things that we consider awful, like the drunken bum that they showed me. And he was laying in the street and he had spittle all over. He was drunk, puking it all up. And they said, what do you see? And I said, I was very judgmental. And I says, well, I, well, maybe I was just honest. I says, what I see is a drunken old bum. And, and it's terrible. I mean, I was, the way I said it was like, he's no good. And they said, let us show you what his spirit looks like. Because remember, mm -hmm. when we come out of this body, we yeah. are spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay. So they took his spirit from his body as he lay there. And his spirit was glorious. Mm -hmm. Glorious. Wow. The light that radiated from him was immense. So I looked at my light, mm -hmm. comparison, and I was nothing in comparison. And I remember feeling humiliated and embarrassed that I had been so judgmental. Mm. And they said, this man came to earth, his only purpose, his mission was because he was, he had this bond, this friendship with this other spirit who was coming to make a big difference in the world. He was going to become wow. an attorney. And because of what he was going to do, he was going to help a lot of people. Mm. And wow. he said, they promise each other, if I go astray, I need, the one said, if you go astray, I will come and we will make that contact and I'll remind you of your purpose. Mm. Wow. And so the drunken bum would lay in the street until one day that attorney coming down from his office would run into the drunken bum, their eyes would meet. Have you ever met someone, you look into their eyes and you're going, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I know no. this person. <laughs> that look is transmitting a message that you wow. may not be cognitively aware of. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Spiritually, internally, you would be. Well, this is what was going to happen between the attorney and the drunken bum. And so the, the attorney went by, would go by and he would help that drunken bum. They would look at each other with love, I'm sure, or thank you or whatever, some kind of positive response. That signal would be transmitted and the drunken bum has served his purpose. He has helped his friend who he has known for eternities. Now just imagine that and think of other people that you've met where you've made that eye contact and you've transmitted something. Something was transmitted and it's usually a love, a like, a kindness, a wow, I'd like to get to know that person better. When maybe it's just that moment, that's all you needed. Yeah. So, but our human selves always try to make something more of it. Like, oh, that, 
that's supposed to be my soulmate. So they get in trouble and all yeah. because they know that there's that attraction mm-hmm. when it might be just transmitting something. So now, now that you just said something huge about heaven and hell and not having a hell, you know what impact that's going to make? Like people hearing there is no hell because a lot of times as I'm, we're growing up, people said, if you do bad things, this is the consequence, right? So people try to avoid doing those things. But well, now, consequence is hell. Yeah. Yeah. And we are in, you're saying that we are in hell. Yeah. The consequence yeah, is hell. You are in hell. You're going to experience hell if you do that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, for, for, the, for a person that has a mind like me, that you have to find out everything, <sighs> learn there, you know, with Google, it so reminds you of heaven because you could just think anything you want and it pops up. <laughs> Google some of this stuff. Find out about, for instance, Google those words, Google hell, do a research, find out where that word originated. In what language did it originate? What is the absolute pure translation of the word hell? And now you're gonna discover a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Everything is in interpretation and translation. Yeah. Buddhists in the religion for Buddhists, they say we are in hell. We, we are basically um, gaining our, you know, patches and credentials to go to a higher you know world or you know universe or whatever it may be the other side yeah so well yeah. yep and uh, yeah that's exactly it and it's sort of like the native americans which are probably mm-hmm. part if the world separated and where the native americans so mm-hmm. there's a lot of that there as well yeah. so we're not isolated on this planet we actually all originated in one place and then we spread out so we carry a lot of the religion Mm. thoughts and beliefs wherever but always examine whatever it is that might be disturbing you you it's so easy now with google google it and then there are books and and find out what they mean you know what is it mean because way back when they used uh, religion to punish people, you know, like taking the women who were all intuitive spiritual beings. And I'm getting to your story about ghosts. Oh, yeah. We have <laughs> having that feeling of contact with them and they would take these women and burn them because they call them witches. When in reality, they were just people who had keen awareness and intuition. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they had spiritual insights that they were sharing that actually came true. So they became in the eyes of many as witches mm-hmm. and they were burned at the stake. And um, so anyway, always investigate. I can still see you there. We're being lost. This is the best conversation ever. I know. Goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, these are things that we question, we ask all the time since I was a kid. I mean, I was so curious. It's just amazing. I'm so glad. Thank you, Rangel. Thank you, Betty. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, and I, I, I kind of believe that if God loved us so much, and, you know, a lot of us were born in this world with a very limited hand, basically, like resources, poverty, 
in crimes and drugs. And, and I, mean, I, I grew up in those kind of environments in the housing, Seattle housing project. And, you know, right. people have to do what they have to do to survive. And, and, and if I was in their shoes, which I was in their shoes, you know, they had, they were desperate and they did a lot of crazy things that we would call sin and people are going to hell for, but I was with them and, and, and I would, I was doing the same thing with them. And I know the God that, that I believe in isn't gonna cast me to hell to burn or cast my friends to burn because of the way they were raised up and they had no choice to do what they had to do. So yeah, I like the fact that um, they're, they're definitely heaven and uh, we, we wouldn't have came to, to earth and we knew that our chances of going to hell was really high because of the circumstances <laughs> we're gonna be born in. Yeah. So it makes me feel yeah, good whenever, that, um, you know, there is situation always just remember how much greater god's love is than yours and 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 make it personal say if if i is a good father how would i respond to that yeah. would i throw my kid into hell of a lake of fire i mean who does that that's barbaric no god, matter what they did yeah he yeah. created us to where we exist we we our flesh would burn but where does our spirit go even in hell i mean because our spirit comes out now where does it go so see, I mean, the whole thing does not it's not common sense i i have heard that you know there isn't a really like a place in hell like the bible says or some some religion would say but there is a place where let's say someone that passes away from this earth and they're really attached to the earth for material reasons or egotistic reasons and they do pass and they 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 kind of go to this in-between place where they're lost. They're kind of tell us about that place that they're in where it it is kind of a hell for them in the while they're there. Um, and then sometimes you can kind of see sometimes you can kind of see their their you know their ghosts kind of in in grave spirit or their ghosts or their yeah. aura. I don't know what it is, but we yeah. hear about it all the time. I, you know, I, I do believe in that. I wasn't told anything specifically that I remember in heaven about that, except for that we can become earthbound. And I wrote about that in Embraced, that some become earthbound. And that means that they, 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 they don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in nothing. They just don't want to leave the earth. Mm. And so you may run into their spirit, you know, that you can or sense and, and feel them uh, because energy, uh, spirit is energy and the energy of, like for instance, if a crime is committed um, in a certain spot and it's very violent, uh, that energy will attach to that spot, that space, and it will not leave it. I mean, have you ever passed through something and get the chills? and go oh what happened there mm. you, know, you just kind of feel it or walk into a house that's spooky they leave yeah. that yeah. energy it doesn't necessarily mean that their ghost or their uh, spirit is there it could just be the energy of the event mm. that took place so, so i mean what happens to all these you know people i've known people who have told me that they see spirits um yeah. you know and a lot of them don't even know that they're dead. Mm. Right. And then when they see her, they actually realize. And she tells them, like, she says, hey, you know, 
what is it? And she actually can communicate to them some way, some form. I don't know how. She didn't go in depth with that, right. but she says that once they see her, they realize that they're dead. They're, but before that, they didn't realize that they were gone. Mm. Ooh, no, you really, you really don't realize. Yeah, you really don't realize that. When I passed, I didn't realize that I, I wasn't dead. Mm. My body was. Mm. Now they do know that they're not in their body. Mm. Their split body. But they're not dead. There is no death. Mm-hmm. at all yeah, I, heard that. I heard i heard that if we i mean i definitely don't want to communicate with any spirits or ghosts <laughs> of one, but i heard that if you tell them like hey like turn towards the light like go turn around you know go towards the light and because you know this place doesn't serve you anymore then that's then they hopefully some of them will say okay let me let me go to the next evolution like how betty did when she saw the light and she went in met who uh, was there on the side well oh yeah I, I i know one point so betty i know for you you met jesus at the tunnel and i would love to meet jesus at the tunnel or my mom or yeah. any loved ones but if someone doesn't believe in jesus who would they meet at the tunnel to welcome them in because you know some people might not know about jesus so who would they meet they be- they will meet their whoever they believe in Okay. Mm. Uh, Jesus told me that and uh, uh, because he said that uh, you know they they don't want to shock people into uh, anything I mean that's not their, their that's not a loving thing so I met a man who uh, had a near-death experience and he said uh, he never believed in God uh, at all and he was always frightened as a little boy and and um, his mother got him a teddy bear. And so he would always sleep with that teddy bear and, you know, snuggle it and everything. He felt comfort, comfort in it. So when he had his near-death experience, when he died, he went into heaven and here's this teddy bear. But it's not a little bear. It's a big teddy bear. Yeah. And, uh, and he wraps his arms around the teddy bear and he's loving it. He's feeling comfortable and everything. And he feels that teddy bear start to giggle, chuckle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, like I did, he pulls uh. back and he, uh, the, the appearance of the teddy bear disappears and it's Jesus. Mm. Mm. And the man said, he recognized him because you'll recognize him. Mm-hmm. He's recognizable. You've always known him. You've been with him. You mm-hmm. know him for eternity. So you know you know the guy. Mm-hmm. And so here standing there with it. And so he 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 told the 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 man, I can't remember his name, I think it was John or something. He said, I knew you would recognize me, mm-hmm. but I wanted mm-hmm. to have you meet, you know, upon your death, something that would comfort you that you would remember on earth. And so here he was, here was a jet bear. So another faith, whatever they believe in, they may be, and Jesus told me this, they may be the representative of heaven, but Jesus said, but all will come to, all will eventually come to know who I am. Wow, that's very comforting. And I, and and I heard- ego out i mean there's no ego there it's like really? it's so beautiful but he have whatever they want but and he just said but all would come to know who i am and i would also like to touch on that you know of course there's you know jesus and guardian angels and god 
And but there's also in this world, you know, we 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 talk about that there's not really a hell in the sense that you know we think it's hell. But there is, I would like to touch on that there is dark forces in the world that that you know, because they say hell is on earth sometimes. So those forces will come from some of our bad decisions. And there is a dark force that come in. You can call it Satan or demon, um, but you know, you will experience the ripple effect of your decisions or someone else's de decision. So I would like to let people know that, that that's also out there. So uh, maybe you could touch a, a little bit on that, Betty. Yeah, where does the dark forces come from? You know what I mean? You know, God created the adversary. God created the adversary. So what service does the adversary, what role does he play? And so you stop and you think about what the adversary does. Again, going back to going to the gym. In order to build muscle, you have to have something that is contrary to um, a strength. In other words, you're pulling against something and uh, your force and you're pulling, you have your gathering strength as you're taking it away from over here. That is what the adversary is all about. It's all about building us and making us the way that we need to be. But mm -hmm. God did create the adversary. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, the truth is, is that after this life, even the adversary, even the adversary belongs to God. Mm -hmm with Asian hate and all this stuff. And I always ask myself like, why, why, why is this happening? And so, I mean, it just tells us, hey, we, the community needs to come together and, you know, overcome this obstacle. Well, it, yeah. it serves both ways. Nothing is just one way. Yeah. Um, you have those who hate and those who are hated. And, uh, and both sides need to learn something. So I was 17 years old, and this is a huge, significant point of my life. Uh, I grew up in the Seattle Housing Projects, and me and my brother and two really close friends, we got caught doing a shooting. And I was a driver, and, um, and I was locked into, I was thrown into ju juvenile hall for the first time, facing years, or, or at least long time. And I was, I was the lowest point of my life. I was definitely going down that path of prison or death or something. And it was my first night in juvenile hall. And um, um, it was my first night. I'm standing by myself and everybody, all the, they're all like 15, 16, 17 year old kids. So they have a lot of energy. So it's like right, right. It's about to be nine o'clock. So um, everyone's running around because they're about to have to go into their cell by themselves. And I was one of them kids, but I'm standing by myself all nervous and uh, and then someone throws a book across the room and it hits me in my, in my leg. And I picked up the book and it was called Embraced by the Light. And I had, <laughs> oh my no, God. I, had so no I had no choice but to walk into the cell without a TV, without any magazine or book. That's so crazy. And I read and that was your book. And I read that book for the next you know couple of weeks while I was there. And it just changed my life, like where I felt that. Um, there was more to life than just my stupid decisions or my selfish decisions or my, my friends. And um, there was a really, there was a point in the book where you talked about the warring angels and there were, you know, you said there were big muscular men with like armor on and weapons and they had a, a confidence about them. 
and they were about to go, they were lined up, they're like God's elite soldiers, kind of like Archangel Michael, and they're lined up to go to earth to go on a mission to save somebody that was getting um, tempted by the dark side, and when I was reading that, I felt like they were coming to save me, and, and, uh, and that, you know, they're my guardian angels, my warring angels coming to look out for me, and, uh, and I, ever since I read that book, and knew about the warring angels that book inspired me to uh, t- turn take a right in life and start doing good and listening to my parents and going to work and not committing stupid crimes like I made and and then when I was 25 I started a real estate company called warring properties and it had the archangel as the logo and our go our our, our and it was to fight the good fight to um, kind of spread love and goodness and it's and then how I met you was Joe, your son, signed right. up at my brokerage when I was in yeah. Seattle. And I go, hey, uh, your last name's Edie. My, one of my heroes, her name is Betty J. Edie. She wrote this book I really love. And he goes, that's my mom. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> your mom. And uh, it's. Show her, show her, show uh, her your. Um, yeah. You're his hero. You know that, Betty? You're my, yeah, you're like Wonder Woman, Superman, all of all in one. <laughs> so here's the the first logo of the the. Oh yeah. Yes. the logo. I, you know, I remember that. I think that. Do you remember when I was speaking at the Indian Reservation and you came? You yeah, remember that? I do. Yeah. You brought that logo so I could see it, and I thought that was so awesome. Uh, I had forgotten the uh, the entire. Uh, maybe we didn't get into it because I was speaking there and I was I was busy. But um, you know what occurred to me? You getting hit in the head with embrace by the light. <laughs> it's so perfect because uh, you know uh, God said that all I need to do was to do my part, and He would open the hearts to all those who would receive it and they would receive it in their soul. It would become a part of them because it would, they would internalize it. And that's exactly what you did. So you're very special for God to hit you, have you been hit in the head. With the- <laughs> hit you with that book. <laughs> was it an accident? It was not, I, I, was, I was hard-headed too. So he had to hit like, me some person. He wants you to awaken to that and to get on and get it done. And, and you can't, don't even speculate, don't even think about it, just let it happen. It, it'll happen because, he, you know, he, first place, he won't release you from it. <laughs> and, and if you think about it, the reason why he won't is because you're his son and he created you and he knows you inside and out. Yeah. And he knows you're not a quitter. Is there anything that you're you you want the audience to know that you're you yeah in the work for this year the coming up um, coming up years that um, you would like to share? Uh, well, they can uh, uh, look up um, "Embrace by Light" the movie project, I, um, and and or they can contact me at my email, which is Betty at embracebylight.com. And uh, to keep uh, in touch that way, but that's that's where we're heading. And I'm working on uh, with a with a screenplay writer uh, right now. Um, we're writing the script for the movie, 
and we're going to get that going real, real soon. Yeah, so it's going to be awesome. Yay. Yeah, I'm on we're on board. Let us know. We're going to do our best to uh, promote it and, and get it out there. And, and it, it's, I, read this story never told. So now it's time to tell this story and your experience and let people know who, who, how much God really loves us and how much he cares for us. Exactly. And thank you so much for spreading that knowledge and the experience and the love. And I mean, I, I really hope it will just inspire those who are in, you know, a tough spot and, you know, you know, searching for whatever it may be. And, that right. they come across like Ringo did, you know, and get, um, you know, can change lives, so. Yeah, and uh, no one is perfect, only God is perfect. Don't plan on, you know, don't look for that perfection. All we can do is just keep going forward. And uh, Thank going you. yeah, well, take Thank care, so God. Much. Thank you guys, this is Thanks, awesome. Betty. You're amazing. Right. Thank you. you. Take Come care, Betty, thank you for your time. <laughs>